We take a look at the conclusion of James Tynon's run on uh, Detective Comics in Batman Detective Comics Volume 7, Batman Eternal. And then it's the new definitive origin story for Captain Marvel. We examine the life of Captain Marvel straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Batman Eternal is set after the events of Fall of the Batman, which we discussed in a previous episode, which culminated with Batwoman apparently killing Clayface and leading to a fracturing of the... Bat Family Alliance with Azrael and Batwing siding with Batwoman and everyone else siding with uh, Batman and Cassandra Kane uh, against the idea of her killing Clayface, even though he had grown to Kaju-level proportions and was threatening Gotham City. The book starts out with the one-issue story, The Trial of Batwoman. And essentially, the main thrust of the story is Batman calling together respected members of the Bat family to ask for their judgment and advice. You have uh, Red Robin, uh, Tim Drake, the Red Hood, Jason Todd, uh, and of course you have Robin, Damian Wayne, Batgirl, and Nightwing. And Batman essentially explains that he's turning to them for advice uh, because he wants to make the right call and he respects their judgment. And I like the idea of Batman getting to the point in his relationship uh, with uh, these people who he's mentored uh, where he's like, I trust you and I really want to hear what you think to help inform what I'm going to do in regards to Batwoman. And he gets a lot of uh, advice, and you can really believe each different person's take. So I I really love the writing on this, Uh, but it actually comes down to Batgirl, who really brings home the key question. And she points out that Batman was aware of events moving towards the start of the colony, which uh, was founded by Kathy Kane's dad, and that Batman was trying to redirect his cousin from that particular path. And this entire effort with the Belfry, that Batman didn't actually believe in this whole concept of bringing together all of these uh, heroes and training them per se. It was a means to an end to take an idea that Tim Drake had and was really enthusiastic about and to make it a reality to keep his uh, cousin, who, you know, his closest family, from going down a path that he didn't approve of. And she uh, essentially, you know, cuts through so much stuff. And she's written so intelligently in this book and is just very incisive, wise, 
and you know, reading it, I I not only appreciated it, but it made me feel like you know, I wish she were that well written in her own book currently. And Tynon just does a great job capturing her. And the decision is made, uh, you know, not by a vote or anything, but there's not going to be any action taken against Batwoman unless she becomes a real major threat, not just takes on a different step than Batman might prefer. That leads into the overall Batman Forever uh, storyline, where... uh, Tam really wants the Belfry effort to be restarted and is trying to talk uh, Batman into it. But because the only reason Batman had done it in the first place was to keep uh, Batwoman on the straight and narrow and doing things Batman's way, uh, Batman doesn't have any interest in starting it up again, which really angers Tam. And uh, Ulysses has managed to appear in the Batcave. Ulysses used to work for the colony and went to such extremes that he was dismissed. But now he's back, and he offers Tim a look at the future and a chance to prevent it. And he sees a dark future uh, where Batwoman kills uh, uh, Batman in the Batcave. However... uh, Tim doesn't immediately sign on with Ulysses. In fact, he becomes really concerned, and he goes to uh, fight crime on uh, with Batman. And I think, in some ways, that makes sense. You see, you know, someone you really care about uh, killed in the future. You may just want to stick close to him and help uh, prevent that from happening. Uh, but where uh, Batman is about to go in, uh, Colony uh, Batman show up, uh, and uh, which you know are uh, robotic, and they go ahead and they uh, uh, wreak a bloodbath. You don't see it in the book because it's trying to stay at a teen rating, not get up to a mature rating. Uh, but uh, essentially, uh, it wipes out eighteen mobsters before. Uh, before Batman or Red Robin can stop it. And uh, this does lead to Batman arranging a meeting with Batwoman and uh, Kate Kane. Uh, And, of course, in the course of this, Tim begins to research, like, what's going on? And he finds out that Ulysses is running a nanovirus uh, which takes control of these uh, Batman and brings them under the control of Brother Eye, uh, which is this uh, computer which in uh, some alternate futures wreaks havoc and uh, imposes a despotic regime in order to prevent crime, which Batman had started without really meaning to. As Tim makes this discovery, Ulysses uh, goes ahead and fires up the nanovirus to take over Tim and turn him into the future Batman, who is going to prevent bad things from happening by doing bad things. And this is Tim really under the control of Brother I and in a Batman suit. And he actually 
uh, takes out Cassandra Kane before he leaves the Batcave. Batman arrives after surviving the attack that Brother I has on him, Batwoman, and Colonel Kane, and he uh, takes Cassandra from the cave, and they team up uh, with Stephanie Brown, uh, and they uh, begin uh, an attack. And uh, Ulysses has the idea of confronting Stephanie and Cassandra and showing them that in another universe, uh, things worked out differently as they both became Batgirls, which they did in the pre-New 52 universe. But he really miscalculated what the effect of this would be uh, because he thought it would just show them you are the pale uh, versions of what you could be. You are underachievers and failures compared to what you'd been in these other universes. But instead, it's actually encouraging. They saw what they could become and their potential. And Stephanie said, you just showed me that I'm awesome in whatever universe I'm in after all I've been through over the past year. And not only that, you've given me access to information on this timeline that I didn't know existed, and uh, I'm going to use that to defeat you. And so in the course of time, she is able to do that. Uh, she's able to patch through to Tim and uh, communicate with him and show him a piece of the whole uh, story from this alternate timeline where uh, Batwoman kills Batman, where essentially Batman had become wanted by the government and uh, Batwoman was of a mind to pretend to continue to hunt him down. And uh, he decided that that would not be the best thing and that he was dying of cancer anyway. And he wanted all of the people who he had uh, trained uh, to go and to make a difference uh, in the world and not to be bound up by this... Uh, by this uh, ghost of Batman and that there wasn't really even any point since he was dying in a few months and he essentially asked uh, Kathy to kill him uh, so that uh, so that everybody could uh, move on and I, I do have trouble with that actually as a plot point um, I, I don't really imagine that being something Batman would ever do but it does explain, I guess, you know, it is an alternate timeline. Uh, it does explain uh, why uh, Kathy Kane would kill Batman, which is uh, pretty hard to imagine as well. Um, and this uh, manages to uh, snap uh, Tim out of it, and Ulysses is defeated, and uh, the book ends on a pretty solid note with each character uh, going on in their own way. Batwoman continues her fight and her effort. Uh, Cassandra goes to uh, stay at the free clinic, and she's actually being tutored by Barbara Gordon, who had been really key in the pre-New 52 world in uh, training uh, Cassandra Kane. We do find out that, uh, and there's a slight spoiler here, that uh, Clayface did indeed survive. We see at the end that once he knows that Cassandra is going to be okay, that he decides to leave with the doctor who'd been treating him. And I don't think it's a huge surprise that Clayface uh, survived, 
given just the makeup of him, that even if a little bit gets away, pretty much he'll be able to return. Uh, and we find out that Tim Drake and Stephanie are going off together to look into the future and into uh, just to study and figure out things about this timeline and what might be ahead. And they leave in this really optimistic way. Uh, Tim had stated that he was going off to Ivy University, but uh, Bruce knew that that wasn't the case, but assured him that uh, wherever he go went, he had a home. And it's really a nice, uh, touching scene. Overall, I thought the story was padded in places. Um, I've kind of gone through a synopsis, and I don't think that there there's enough in the main story for six issues. There's seven issues in the book. You've got the one-issue story, which I think is fine, but I think this story probably uh, could have been four or five issues rather than six. But uh, it's, it does manage to wrap up the storyline nicely. And I have to give uh, Tanon uh, some credit because clearly he loved these characters uh you know, Stephanie Brown and Cassandra Kane, uh, and uh, several of these uh, characters who'd been so important in the Batman books of the 1990s and early 2000s, and then have been kind of pushed aside by the whole New 52 reboot of the DC Universe. He really brings these characters in and gives them some substance. Um, he takes them through an arc, and we get to see them learn and grow and begin to develop some history in the new uh, continuity. Uh, he doesn't uh, set things up where they're once again these major players that they once were. But he does enough work for him, and then he puts the characters away so that the next writer of Detective Comics can take that series in its own direction. And all of these other characters have uh, had enough development that they are ready for any writer who wants to run with them and use them to be able to use them effectively. And I think that is just a really uh, good way to handle it. And I do think the... Uh, storyline, you know, overall, because this is a seven-volume storyline, I thought the first volume was great, um, and I think that the fifth volume was pretty good, and then the sixth volume was really good, and this one's pretty good, but uh, volumes two through four were a bit uh, rough. Plus, I think that the inclusion of Batwing and Azrael, uh, they were not uh, handled as well, and there's less that was really done with them. And the inclusion of those characters may have been a case of an editorial mandate rather than the passion which he obviously felt for these others. Still, I like the I like the book. I thought it was a decent run, and for what it accomplished. For the characters, you know, it really brought back uh, to the DC universe in a much stronger way. I think the book uh, merits a rating of somewhat classy. Now we move on to The Life of Captain Marvel. And this is a book that I've been curious about because it was advertised as the definitive origin story for Captain Marvel. And I imagine that it might be something like... Uh, Man of Steel, 
the you know John Byrne miniseries from the 1980s that redefined Superman, that sort of uh, novel, or one of the really good year one or season one graphic novels that have been written about various characters. The novel opens in uh, present-ish Marvel Universe time with uh, Captain Marvel on Earth and working with the Avengers. And she is in the midst of fighting a supervillainess. I don't know who this uh, character is right off, um, but uh, she starts having a flashback and then just really starts beating this character uh, half to death. I mean, it is, uh, as Black Panther observes, a bit excessive. She collapses because she's been having a very traumatic flashback and she collapses and Tony uh, uh, is there by her bedside, Tony Stark, to ask what was wrong and it they realize that it's Father's Day, which was very difficult, as she had a difficult relationship with her father, which actually the author of this book is making more difficult. So she decides to return to her hometown to deal with her issues, and she has dinner with her family, her mom and her brother, her father having passed since... uh, her visit to him back in Miss Marvel Volume 6 when he was dying. And so she's in front of his grave and her brother is with her and he is drinking out of a bottle and he heads off towards his car. Carol lets him go and stays there a few minutes before obliterating uh, her dad's headstone in a fit of anger. While flying away from this, she sees a car had gone over a railing and rolled down a hill and caught fire. And we learn that it's her brother's car and that her brother has had a traumatic uh, brain injury. And so she hangs around her hometown. Uh, We don't see it all. Several months pass as she's waiting for her brother to recover. In fact, nine months do. And this leads to probably the best change of the book, and that is that her hair grows out so that it looks as it has historically rather than much shorter, as was the case with a couple previous reboots of the series with uh, the Alpha Flight Adventures. At any rate, Carol starts helping uh, clean up around her house and stumbles on some old letters that uh, her dad had written, which lead her to believe that her dad had an affair. She also finds a uh, small device along with it uh, that looks kind of like a jump drive, and it looks like really sensitive, high-tech technology that she wonders how her dad got his hands on. And she becomes curious about it, and just as you do when you are curious about expensive, delicate technology, she takes a hammer to it. Uh, and that actually activates it. And this turns out to be some bad news. Because we learn through the course of the story that her mom actually isn't human, but is actually a Cree warrior. 
and she was sent to Earth to be an agent and to investigate. However, she decided to marry Carol's father, Joseph, and to become a mother to his uh, three boys who were already there, thus explaining why Carol's brothers don't have Kree powers, because they have been retconned into only being half-brothers. At any rate, a Kree is sent to hunt down Carol's mother for abandoning their centuries-long war to settle down on Earth to raise a family. They arrive on Earth, and there's some fighting. Uh, The Kree warrior tries to uh, take uh, Carol's brother hostage, and uh, the brother ends up being rescued. And in the course of this big, long fight, Carol's mother is killed, and the Kree leaves Earth. And this story I'd really had high hopes for, and I'd heard some good things about, but it has some really big problems with it. First of all is the change in Carol's relationship to her dad. That relationship has never been particularly good, but it's become worse over time. And as we've reviewed essentially all of the uh, Captain Marvel or, I guess, Carol Danvers starring comics uh, prior to 2012 on this podcast. I've read the entire Deconic run, even though we've not reviewed it here. I can kind of talk about this with some uh, authority. In the very first uh, Miss Marvel series, Carol's dad is honest and hardworking, but very chauvinistic and limited in his ideas about what women can do. We learn that Carol's dad refused to pay for her college, which was a really rotten thing to do and really chauvinistic, and that's why she ended up joining the Air Force, so that she could get funds for education. Carol's dad goes up against a corrupt uh, builder, and his life is threatened, and Miss Marvel saves him, and he doesn't even say thank you. Carol knows that her dad cares about her, but is just not able to see her as an adult woman with talents and abilities, and so therefore they can't have that relationship. And it's a tragic idea as was written in Miss Marvel in the 70s. This is kind of expanded in the 2000s Miss Marvel series, where we learned that her dad had gone to drinking after the death of his eldest son, and that there were feelings associated with that for Carol. And I think that that was a retcon, but it was a retcon that made some sense because Carol had uh, gone into uh, alcoholism and had just dug her way out of that. It makes sense that if she had a parent who had had that background. So I don't knock that retcon too much. Although for some reason, the artist on that Miss Marvel book forgot how Carol's mom actually looked. And she expressed her feelings to her dad, who was on a ventilator and couldn't speak and couldn't really answer her questions as she tried to deal with that at the last minute. 
Then in the life of Captain Marvel, in this one, we've gone ahead and we've gone ahead from he was a drunk to he was a drunk that beat her and was physically abusive. And so we're just kind of adding layers to this to make her dad worse and worse. And I don't think adding additional daddy issues to the character really helps her. There's really no need to continue to push this. And it kind of cuts against the whole idea of Carol's mom, you know, falling in love uh, with uh, her dad and deciding to uh, leave uh, the Cree Star Force uh, for love and to raise a family with this man. And they try to add in some, you know, he changed this and that way, became paranoid, etc., etc. But you cannot make the character worse and worse and then increase his appeal. It's just really cuts against the entire story they're wanting to tell. And in terms of the story that they're telling, uh, the main focus here seems to be uh, reducing the role of Marvell. Uh, because essentially, in the original comics, Carol's powers came uh, as a result of an accident that uh, was she experienced during one of the original uh, Captain uh, Marvel, Marvell of the Cree, who was a Cree warrior who was originally sent to Earth as a spy for the Cree and was actually embraced as a hero on Earth, though he had this conflicted feeling because he knew that he was actually an agent of an alien power with designs that were not necessarily going to be positive towards Earth. The Kree were willing to destroy Earth if that's what it took. But then Marvell ends up deciding to stand with humanity and to stand for justice, even if it makes him an outcast among his own people which ultimately makes him a noble and heroic figure. But the comic seems to want to just minimize the role that Marvell played in giving her her powers. And this seems like a very petty, sort of insecure motivation. And you saw it in the film to an extent, although in the film it was a lot more subtle because... Her powers in the film came from uh, experiments being done by Marvell, but Marvell was a woman instead of a man. They gender swapped that uh, particular role, but you can't do that in the comics because Marvell is so established. So instead, they decide to uh, minimize the role that Marvell played. Now, uh, the book stating that the powers were her birthright as someone who was half Cree, and that Marvell only activated the powers. And it seems like a really petty and insecure point to uh, rewrite an origin story around. Because the point seems to be that uh, in order to make uh, Carol a stronger character, we have to change it so that a man was not responsible for giving her her powers. And given that this was an accident... 
I mean, this just to me seems like the ultimate pettiness and insecurity because it's like, we can't have those powers come as a result of a man's action. Now we've changed it so it comes through her mother. Her powers are pure girl power. And so that's the point of you tinkering with the origin? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Unless, as I said, you're just going to be really insecure about it. Because from where I stand, uh, Marvell's only thing is just playing this incidental role in getting her powers. And lots of people, you know, in the DC and Marvel universe, they get powers but that's not what defines them, what makes them a hero, what makes them good or uh, turns or makes them villains is what they do with their powers, the choices that they make. And fundamentally, Carol Danvers would benefit from a story that uh, showed her as a hero, who showed her strengths and her abilities and her heart and her courage. But instead, Life of Captain Marvel uh, focuses on uh, reordering her origin story because of the gender of the person who has traditionally been involved in her getting her powers, while at the same time increasing her daddy issues, which ironically defines her actions in relation to what a man did. This is such a bizarre take and bizarre thing to do with this character. And add to that, you know, this is supposed to be her definitive origin. This is supposed to set up, and this is the book that's going to tell us, you know, what a great hero she is. Yet in the course of this book, she uses excessive force on a minor supervillain destroys her dad's uh, tombstone in a fit of anger, while also uh, letting her brother leave the scene after drinking alcohol, after which her brother gets into a crash. And then she inadvertently summons her mother's executioner to Earth. Her mother is killed in battle. Carol fails to prevent it. And Carol also is not able to catch or in any way uh, gain satisfaction on the perpetrator. Our heroine, everybody. The life of Captain Marvel really has some great epic co uh, covers and some decent art, even though there are some wonky moments. But ultimately, its story is totally counterproductive to the character. It doesn't give her a big, bold origin story. It instead uh, tinkers with the origin story for the most petty reasons possible, while actually undermining her through the uh, really lack of thought put into the uh, storyline. As a recap, we did give a rating of somewhat classy to Batman, Detective Comics, Volume 7, Batman Forever, really did show some great appreciation for so many of the characters written about, and a decent run that had some good positive accomplishment behind it. 
All right, well, that will actually do it for now. Join us back next week. In the meantime, send your comments to classycomicsguy at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at classycomicsguy. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and follow me on Twitter at classycomicsguy. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.